is January 5th, 2019 in Chennai, and we're going to be looking at some interruptions. We're going to be looking at some interruptions. We're going to be looking at how we can understand Krishna in the world. And we've looked before at how we can understand Krishna through earth, water, fire, and ether. But now we're going to do something very unusual. And I've never done this before. How we can remember Krishna by thinking of thinking about the mind, intelligence, and ego. So the actions of the mind are Krishna. The actions of the intelligence and the actions of the ego. Alright. So there's there's a very interesting statement. I'm sure you're familiar that when Krishna left Vrindavan, he sent a message back with Uddhava for the gopis. You didn't know that. So when Krishna left Vrindavan, he sent a message back with Uddhava for the gopis. And when Srila Prabhupada writes about this message, he writes that the actions of the mind, thinking, feeling, and willing, are all within Krishna's energy. And so whenever we are using the mind, we can only be thinking about things in relation to Krishna because that's all there is to think about. And so he said whenever we're using the mind, uh, we are actually able to relate that to Krishna. So I have always found that very interesting because generally we think about the mind as what is separating us from Krishna. She's fine. She just she's allowed to be a child. It's okay. So we talked about earth, water, fire, air, and ether. And again, generally we think of those things as that is what is separating us from the Lord. That's what's making our Krishna consciousness difficult is this material body and the material elements. And we talked about how by thinking about them in relation to Krishna, we could use them to be Krishna conscious. But I think on the subtle level, even more so, we think it is my mind, my intelligence, and my false ego that is separating me from Krishna. We see them as bad. Now, of course, Krishna says that the mind can be the best friend or the mind can be the enemy, depending on how you use it. But today, we're going to be thinking about thinking. Today we're going to use our mind, intelligence, and ego to consider how the mind, intelligence, and ego's actions can remind us of Krishna. So this is a little different. It's related to, but it's a little different than saying I'm going to use my mind to think of Krishna. So this is very tricky and I, I haven't taught this before, so you need to give me some feedback if this is helpful or not, alright? Charlie Rada was because you have to teach this, you have to teach this, you have to teach this. So I spent many hours today meditating on this and researching it, so you let me know. Okay, so I'm looking first at the qualities of the mind and how the qualities of the mind can
and remind us of Krishna's qualities. So what is the mind made of? It's made of prana. It's made, the mind is actually a substance, but it's made of the different pranas. It's made of air. The movements of the air. When the mind is moving, it's actually the movements of prana. When our mind is moving around. And Krishna says that he joins with this prana. He says in the Gita, he joins with this prana to digest our food. But also the activities of the mind are a kind of digestion, isn't it? We digest our thoughts. So this movement of the mind is actually the movement of Krishna. And then the energies that keep this subtle body going. We talk about the chakras and the nadis and the kundalini energy, all these energies that keep our body going. These energies are actually Krishna, of course. So every, anything that allows us to think, which is what Prabhupada was saying in the Krishna book, that what's allowing us to think is actually Krishna's energy. Then what I really wanted to focus on was from Bhagavatam 2.134, where there it says, the moon is Krishna's mind. And relating the activities of our mind to the moon. It says there, the moon is Krishna's mind, and the moon is the reservoir of changes. So I thought that there's several ways, two in particular, in which the moon changes. One is it waxes and it wanes, it waxes and it wanes, it waxes and it wanes. And our mind also does this. You know, today I can be very enthusiastic about some idea, and then tomorrow I know it's not really a good idea, right? Or, or the other way, you can say, no, I don't think, think, oh, you know, I will do that. We go, our enthusiasm goes up and down like the moon. Yeah? And I thought when our enthusiasm goes up and down for things, which it does all the time, I mean, it does it during a particular day, we like, we're enjoying doing something, then we're not enjoying doing something, and it happens from one day to the next. We can remember that the moon is doing this also. And the moon is Krishna's mind. Now, does that mean that Krishna's mind is also changing like this? So the answer is no. Because the moon itself is not changing. The moon is remaining the same, but it's appearing to change. So when we are in illusion, it appears to us, oh, sometimes Krishna likes this person. Just like some people, they become rich. Other people, they become poor. Or some persons, they become rich one day, poor the next day. My mother told me about my uncle Max. I never met him. He died before I was born. But he and his wife, they were very, very, very rich. And then in the Great Depression in 1929, they lost everything. They became completely poor. And my mother told me that Uncle Max went to his wife and said, now we have nothing. And she said, I never told you, but I've been keeping cash in a drawer. I have $50,000, which in 1929 was a lot of money. Probably as much as half a million dollars today. She said, I've been keeping $50,000, and they used that, and again they became rich. So it's like that. Some people, they go poor, rich, poor, rich. And we can see the Lord's favor seems to be bestowed on this person or that person. And it seems to us that the Lord is changing in our own life, right? Sometimes 
Krishna is really blessing something we're doing and it's flourishing and then it's over and it goes down and we think, oh, Krishna's liking me, he's not liking me. But that's just an appearance. That's just an appearance. The moon is always steady. And Krishna has his love and his benedictions and his blessings actually equally to everyone all the time. So as our own enthusiasm and lack of it is changing, when we notice that, uh, we can remember the changing of the moon and the constancy of the moon. That actually Krishna's mind is fixed. Of course, having said that, Krishna does sometimes like us to do something and later not like us to do. Just like one devotee was getting fat and Prabhupada said to him, you should not eat so much. And he said, but Prabhupada, when I first took up Krishna consciousness, you told me eat a lot of prasadam. And Prabhupada said to him, did you believe me then? Oh yes, then you believe me now. So Krishna does change what he wants us to do. Just like when we are very young, it is the time to get married and have a family. And when we are older, it is the time to renounce. So it's the same thing. You know, you don't say to somebody who is 80 years old, now you should get married. I mean, people do this in the Krishna. But when they are 20 years old, 25 years old, you say to get married. So Krishna may, at certain times, he may want us to do certain things, and other times not. So even though Krishna's mind is steady, in one sense it is also waxing and waning with how he is blessing us and directing us in different ways. So the material mind that gets waxing and waning can remind us how Krishna is acting perfectly according to time, place and circumstance. He is dealing with everyone appropriate to them and according to their circumstance. Now the other way in which the moon is the reservoir of changes is it moves very, very fast through the zodiac. Like Saturn takes, I think, 29 years to complete going through all of the signs. But the moon goes through in 28 days. All of the signs. Do you understand? Is something you want to clarify? You can ask now. It's all depends on the possible Huh? That we'll talk later. That's a that's a that's a later question. Good question. So the moon is going through, you know, Aries, Gemini. I did very 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 fast. Like two, every two three days, it's in a different sign. Whereas you have something like Jupiter, Saturn, they are moving very slowly. Right? The sun is in a sign for one month. Moon is only in a sign for two, three days. And moon moves through the houses also very fast. You know about astrology. And when a, when a planet is in a different sign or different house, it behaves a little differently. Like if I visit your house, I behave a little differently than when I am in your house. Or when I am in your house or when I am home. So when the planets go through the constellations and the houses, they show different aspects of their personality. So, our own mind also wanders very fast, okay? We are thinking one thing, and then we are thinking something else, and then we are thinking something else, and then we are thinking something else. We are moving, right? And even many times when we are trying to focus, I mean, if we are just relaxed, the mind goes. 
But even when we are trying to focus, the mind tends to wander. Right? And with modern technology, that facilitates the wandering of the mind. Isn't it? Oh, you're on your computer working on something, and oh, email, oh, message, oh, what's up? And the mind goes, oh, I have to take care of that. Oh, I, now I remember I have to take care of that, now I have to take care of that. And then you get back to your work. Yes? So when our mind is wandering like that, we can remember how the mind of Krishna as the moon is also wandering very fast through the different suns. So what happens like that? You know, each of us has a particular mentality. We each have a particular personality. We each have a particular mentality. And Krishna is relating to each of us individually. Now with the planets, when they move through different signs and houses, they become more favorable to other people than to others. If the moon is in a constellation that is favorable for you, you'll be more energized and capable. And when the moon goes through some constellation that is not favorable for you, things will be more difficult. They may become more difficult for you and easier for someone else. So if the moon represents Krishna's mind, it means at different times, each person will have some opportunity where it's very easy for them to associate with the Lord. But the Lord is giving different times for different people to find it easy. Because again, what I find very easy, you may find very difficult. Yes? Just like I know devotees, they like to go on big pilgrimages with hundreds or thousands of people. Like Radha Swami, he will take 5,000, 8,000 people to go on pilgrimage. I, I was just in my Dog, they said Lokanath Swami is here with 800 people. So me, I like to go on pilgrimage with three, maybe five people. I went one time with like 50 people, I didn't like it at all. So I like to go with small crowd, and other people, they like to go with very big crowd. There was this uh, film made by National Geographic about Radhana Swami's pilgrimage, and how the brahmacharis, who were all engineers, how they engineered the cooking. It was a wonderful film if you get to see it. Very interesting. But they were showing how the participants really enjoyed being with this group of 5,000 people. They were finding it delightful. So we could give so many examples of what one person likes, another person doesn't like. And so Krishna makes himself available to everyone. Just like the moon, as it travels through the constellations, it gives enthusiasm to different people. So when our mind is wandering, we can remember, oh, Krishna is also wandering and being with everyone. It is said also in the Rasalila dance that Krishna was between every two gopis. But some of the Acharyas say this is simply Krishna moving very fast. So some of the Acharyas say Krishna is expanded into many different forms. Which can mean his form is unlimited. He can also mean he has unlimited forms. But some say he's just moving very fast. And so each gopi is thinking, oh, Krishna is with me. So again, when our mind wanders, we think of how Krishna is wandering. Krishna's dealing is wandering. Then, of course, 
with our mind is the means by which we can interact with the world. That is how we are interacting with our body. And whenever we are manipulating our body with our mind, it happens almost automatically, doesn't it? Like I want to move my hand and my hand just moves. I mean, when we were babies, it took a while to figure this out, right? Like you get a new machine, it takes some time. And you see little babies, you've all seen newborn babies, and they're just kind of... Maybe they get their hand in their mouth, and, they, and then they lose it again. You know? How do I get my hand in my... Oh, whatever it is. Right? And they get all excited when they can find their feet. Isn't it? And then they suck on their feet and they're playing with their feet. But take some time. Take some time. I mean, to learn how to use the body takes usually one to two years to learn how to walk, two to three years to learn how to speak, and just how to manipulate the body, how to get it to do what you want. So when we were little, we had to really concentrate, yes? You see children learning how to walk, they're really thinking. If they try to carry something and walk, they will fall down. And now I'm just doing it automatically without thinking about it. But still, my mind is controlling my body. It's just happening very, very fast that my mind is thinking, oh, let my hand scratch my nose. Let my hand, let my hand do this. And it just does it. Uh, so we can, whenever we notice we are just doing things with our body, we can remember how Krishna, just by His will, He is immediately, everything is happening. Whatever He desires happens. I desire to do this, it happens. And when Krishna desires, the whole world happens. Everything happens. Yes? So with the mind, uh, what else did I want to look at with the mind? Hmm. So pastimes related to the mind. So I was thinking about uh, how Nanda Maharaj created the Manasi Ganga. He wanted, or Krishna created from his mind. Krishna created from his mind. Huh? So Nanda wanted to bathe in the Ganga, and Krishna didn't want them to make a journey, so he created a Ganga from his mind. Can you think of any other pastimes of the Lord of the devotees related to the mind? Krishna appears, okay, but can you think of some specific pastime related to the mind? Jopati? Ah, Jopati called to Krishna in her mind that Krishna was there. Yes, the clothes. I think also with the pot. That is interesting. That Sudama in his mind, he was thinking, my wife wants me to ask some lesson from Krishna, but he didn't say anything. Oh, very, that is beautiful. Also, Kardama Muni, the lake where he was meditating, it was said to be peaceful, just like the mind of a devotee. Many times the lake is compared to a peaceful mind. Yeah. Any other things you can think of? There's Vishramrita Muni, he created 
uh, people with his mind. He was creating people growing from coconut trees. So the ladies didn't have to get pregnant. You just pull your child from the coconut tree. And then Lord Brahma told him, you stop this. This is not proper. And then Kardama Muni, he created the whole aerial spaceship from his mind. Yes, he created the spaceship and also servants. The spaceship and servants he created with his mind. Any other examples? There's more. Oh, I like that very much. So there was this poor Brahmana. He was very poor. And he heard that if you worship Krishna with the mind, Krishna will accept. So this is actually a very important principle in Bhakti Yoga. Because when we serve with the body, we are supposed to be serving with the mind also. It's like in Arjuna, when you are worshipping the deity. Everything you offer physically, you are also supposed to be offering mentally. It's very important. And uh, anyway, so this Brahmana, but he couldn't offer physically because he was too poor. So he started meditating on doing deity worship. And, you know, usually if you are going to use Ganga water or Yaguna water for bathing the deities, you just take ordinary water and you say a mantra. Please Ganga, Yamuna, Narmada, Kaveri, you come into the water. Uh, but he, in his mind, he actually traveled to these rivers to collect the water. So he was sitting and meditating, that he's walking to the rivers, he has a pot, golden pot, and he's putting it in the river, and he's collecting the water. And then he's meditating that he's decorating the deities very beautifully with gold, with diamonds, and very costly ornaments, and he's feeding them. And Prabhupada said he did this for many, many years. When Prabhupada installed our deities in London, Radha London Ishwara, we didn't have very many clothes from them, very, very many paraphernalia. And he taught Yamuna, who was the Pujari, he said, you can do mental service. So you're offering only two, three outfits, but you can mentally offer very gorgeous outfits, more outfits and more food and things. So she did love that. Anyway, so this Brahmana was doing this for many, many years. And then one day in his meditation, he was making sweet rice. What do you call that? What do you call that? Payasa. So he's making, but it was hot. You know, because after cooking it's hot. Like this morning somebody brought me some and it was hot. So I didn't take it. So it was hot. And he was thinking, I have to wait until it gets cool. And in his meditation he touched with his finger to see if it was cool. And immediately his meditation broke. He opened his eyes and he sees his fingers actually burnt. And at that time, our Lord Narayan and Vaikuntha started to laugh. And Lakshmi Devi asked him, why are you laughing? And then he sent an airplane and he brought the Brahmana to Vaikuntha. There's a similar story with Shamananda Pandit in our Gaudiya Vaishnava line, that he, in his meditation every day, he was boiling milk, for Radha and Krishna. And sometimes in his meditation the milk would overboil and would burn his arms. And would actually burn his physical arms. And so he would put on a bandage and the devotees would say, what happened to your arms? Because on the physical platform he was not cooking anything. 
there's a, actually a similar story with Raghunath Das Goswami, where he was meditating on giving a feast to the Lord, and he ate the payasa prasadam, but he ate too much, and he got a stomachache. And the devotees went to bring him his regular prasad. He said, no, no, I can't take my, I eat too much. He, they knew he wasn't eating anything. So these are also pastimes. Huh? Oh, that's another good example. So, so the Singananda Brahmachari, uh, he was the one who made the path. Yeah? So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was traveling. So in his mind, he made a beautiful road covered with jewels. And on the side, gardens and fountains and rest areas. So in his mind, he's, he was hearing what is Lord Chaitanya's itinerary. You understand? So nowadays we post on the internet, this is my itinerary. But he got it from some messenger that said, this is Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's itinerary. So in his mind he made a path. And then he had to stop, what was it? Kanai Natishala, something like that. Some place, he wasn't able to make the path after that place. Even though he got the schedule that Mahaprabhu was going to travel more, when he tried to build the path, he could not. And so he told all the devotees, Lord Chaitanya will not go past this place. And in fact, he didn't. When he came to that place, he went back. He didn't continue. What? He went back for Yes, yes, he went back. So he, this is an interesting example of mental service. And this is very important. Uh, Prabhupada talks about that when we chant japa, we can do mental service. That while chanting japa, we can meditate on having a diamond thrown in our heart and doing full deity worship while we are chanting japa. And Prabhupada uses the word imagine. He said you can imagine in your heart there is a diamond throne and Krishna is sitting and you are bathing his feet with Ganga and Jamuna water and giving him costly dress. And after using the word imagine, Prabhupada said, but this is not false, it is real. And Krishna is accepted. Now this does not mean that we should be lazy fellows. Right? A long time. You know sometimes when people are looking for a husband or wife, they advertise. There's a place in the newspaper, yeah? You have to write. Matrimonial come. So we had in ISKCON, now we have on the internet, but many years ago we had printed you know, husband, men seeking wife, wife, woman seeking husband. Yes, yes. So this one, this one man, so he wrote, I'm looking for a wife. And he wrote, my favorite service is to sleep and dream of Krishna. So I don't think he got a wife. <laughs> no one wants to marry a man who is sleeping, sleeping all day. Uh, so we should not be lazy. This is actually true. But, but we should not be lazy fellow. Not that we just sit. If we have some money, we should buy some actual book for Krishna. Not just be... It's not that too easy to get meditation. No, it's not so easy. It's actually more difficult. Like sometimes when I am traveling because I, I have shilas that I worship. I worship Shadabram and Govardhan Shila. And sometimes when I'm in a very long journey, it is not possible to worship them physically because I'm not going to take them out in the airplane. Bob, they would think it was a bomb. <laughs> but anyway, you know, it's not clean. And then there'll be some turbulence and Shalagama will go, whoop! 
So that's not good practical. But if I'm traveling 24 hours or more, then I have to do the puja in my mind. And it is definitely more difficult. It's definitely harder to do in the mind, to concentrate, than to do physically, yes. But it is a very good thing to do also, uh, to use the mind in service. But not that if I can buy a golden pot for Krishna, I don't just buy stainless steel and meditate on golden pot. If I cannot afford golden pot, then I can buy stainless steel and meditate on golden pot. But if I can actually buy, then I should actually buy also. So I shouldn't be just, just lazy for it. All right, we want to go on to the intelligence. Excuse me? Oh. Explain. That was Madhavindapuri. Madhavindapuri, when the sweet rice had been offered to Krishna, he thought like, if I could know the taste, Oh, you're thinking that part of the story, okay. So, yeah, Madhavindapuri, he was traveling to get sandalwood for his Gopaldini. And that's also related to the mind because Krishna would appear to him in a dream. So Krishna appeared to him in a dream and said, I'm very hot, get some chandan. But he had to travel to get the sandalwood. They didn't have Amazon, you know. Just <laughs> go on his computer, deliver in three days. So he was traveling, he was walking. And on the way, he stopped in Maimuna and he had heard that they offered very, very nice gear. So he thought, let me see what they offer. And when he was there, they were making the offering. And while they were making the offering, he thought, ah, this kir is famous. I should make some for my deity when I go home. So maybe, he said, maybe if I could taste it, then I would understand how they are making it. And then he thought, oh, they are offering it right now to Gopinath. Gopinath is not finished eating. And I have wanted to taste it before the Lord. Oh, I am Aparati. I am an offender. So immediately he left. He was in the temple where he left. And he went and he was resting. So then the Pujari, he took the offering off. They had little clay pots, many little clay pots. And he took everything off and he prepared the deities for rest. You know, everything changed their cloth and turned off the lights, closed everything. Then he is sleeping and he has a dream. And the deity says, I am hiding a pot of kir, one little pot, behind my cloth. He said, I tricked you, so you counted wrong. Because you're taking off the pots, you're counting, yeah? So he said, immediately come and get the pot and give to Madhavindapuri, who is sleeping in the marketplace. So the Pujari got up, he took bath, put on clean clothes. Normally you don't go on the altar when the deities are sleeping. But he went on and he looked and there was the pot. So the deity is known as the thief. That he stole his own sweet rice. His own sweet rice. His own kir to give. And then he took this to Madhavi. He went to the market. Madhavindrapuri! Madhavindrapuri! May the very fortunate Madhavindrapuri come out! Come out! Sleeping. Woke up. What is it? What is it? Gopinath has this pot of kir just for you. So Madhavindapuri was in ecstasy. He ate the kir and then he 
washed the pot, he broke the pot into little pieces, and every day he would eat a little piece of the pot. But that was interesting because he had that thought in his mind. But we have this experience also, I'm sure. You have the experience, you have some thought in your mind, you don't tell anybody. And even after the thought, you may think, no, 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 forget it. And then Krishna gives, yes? You had this experience many times. But I've had many times, I just had some thought. When I first moved in the ashram, I moved in the ashram the day Kishore Kishori were installed, big deities in Chicago, in America. And next day I went out on Harinam Sankirtan. And we were walking, 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 and I was thinking, my shoes are not so good for walking, walking. I need better walking shoes. But I have very, very small feet, so most shoes do not fit me. You know, and we come back to the temple and there were some shoes. And they said, here's some extra shoes, would you like it? And they fit perfectly, which is very unusual for me. That shoes would fit perfectly. And they were perfect for walking. So that was my first experience like that. But I've had many, many, many experiences where I just thought, you know, one day in New Zealand I was walking back to my room from the temple and I thought I would like some cashews thought came for two seconds and then I get to my room and there's a bag of cashews rubber band to the door. <laughs> I didn't ask, I just thought it came. But I didn't actually ask. I didn't actually ask. Just thought. Yeah, the strangest one... I'm not blaming him for the thought. <laughs> but thoughts are powerful things. Whatever we think about, we become. Thoughts are not nothing. Right? And the story I really like to tell, I was looking in my closet many years ago. How many years ago was this now? So I was looking in my closet and I thought, I could use another silk sari. I thought, ah, I would like it to be a thick, high quality silk beige with an embroidered border. I got a picture in my mind. And I thought, maybe next time I go to India, I will purchase. And I thought, oh, it will be expensive. So forget it. I don't really need it. Too much money. And then the thought was gone. That was like 20, 30 second thought. And three days later, at the end of the school day, one of the mothers came to pick up her daughter. She calls me to her car. Ramila, please come. I have something for you. And she gives me this sari. It was like I had custom ordered it. It was exactly, exactly the same as the picture in my mind. Exactly. And I just... I actually felt guilty. I thought, oh, I am bothering Krishna for a sari or some piece of... But I did not ask. But yeah, this is... We, we have this example many times. I mean, you ask any devotee, they can tell you so many stories like this. If it is genuine, then you have to If it is genuine? If it is genuine? also genuine. Uh, well, I see that Krishna likes to fulfill our desires when we are not attached. Yeah. If I go to Krishna with attachment... I have to have this. You must give me this. And he never gives me. Never. Krishna never gives me things that I'm like, you have to give me, you have to give me, why are you giving me, what's your problem? 
We are like this with our children also, yes? If our children and we don't give. Right? We don't give. But if we're out with our child and they see something, they say, oh, look at that. We remember, yeah? And then when it's their birthday, something we give. So Krishna's also like that. He's fulfilling all of our desires. If we have a desire without attachment. Actually, Krishna says, I am desire without attachment. In the seventh chapter. He says, I am kama without raga. I am desire without attachment. So when we have desires without attachment, Krishna very quickly fulfills. And when we are attached, he's like, forget it. Never mind. Well, the only ultimate desire without attachment is bhakti. Ultimately, uh, the only way we can have desire without attachment is, is if we are simply desiring to please Krishna. Uh, but in general, Krishna fulfills our desire when there's not attachment. When there's attachment, then he may give us the instruction, you know, you do this karma, you do that karma, and then you'll be able to get this. But he doesn't just fulfill magically like that. Just like if your child's whining, you know. I want a bicycle, I want a bicycle, I want Then you may say, then you get a job, and you work, and you get the money, and you buy bicycles. Yes? Simple thing, then we just get it. But when they are whining, then we say, you work. So Krishna also does this. Since we have no attachment, he just gives it. The things that we are insisting and whining, he says, you do the karma, and you work. Okay, let's go to intelligence. So, there's uh, some places where in the Bhagavatam that says in 2.134 that the supreme cause of material creation is Krishna's intelligence. So, whenever we are trying to create something, the supreme cause of our creation is also our intelligence. So just like when I am using my intelligence and I am planning something, I can remember how Krishna is using his intelligence. I am using my intelligence to coordinate different people. I can remember how Krishna is coordinating everyone's karma. This I think is inconceivable. Your karma is coordinated with my karma, with his karma, with the karma of the spider and the karma of the how does he do this? So if I am coordinating 30 people, 10 people, with my intelligence, I can immediately remember how Krishna is coordinating everything with his intelligence. When I am using my intelligence to create something artistic, or to make things beautiful, I can remember how Krishna is using his intelligence to create beauty. When I'm using my intelligence to create order and a system, I can remember how Krishna is using his intelligence to create the order in the universe. Right? And then we have another... Um, also, our intelligence is where we keep our memory. Whenever we remember something with our intelligence, we can also remember that Krishna says, and ultimately, in Krishna's intelligence is everyone's memory. Because Krishna is the super soul. He is the self of the self. 
Like Krishna said to Arjuna, many lives you and I have passed. I remember all of them, but you do not. So Krishna remembers all of his incarnations, but he also remembers all of mine. Krishna remembers, I don't remember. I can remember a little bit of this life, a little bit of past lives actually also. But I cannot remember everything even of this life. I don't remember exactly. Like I have to think, what did I eat for lunch yesterday? Even to think, what did I eat for lunch today? I have to stop and eat for lunch today. Isn't it? What did I have for breakfast today? If you ask me, what did you do today at 9.17 in the morning? It would be difficult for me to do 9.17. I just got an email notice from Google Timeline that keeps track of where you travel. So it showed me a map and all the places that I've ever traveled since I had a phone all over the world. And I'm thinking, oh, what was it like? I don't know, 300 something places. But, I, you know, oh, where is this place? Oh, where is this place? What did I do in this place? When I, when I went to get a Russian visa, they asked me, what are all the countries and the dates that you have visited in the last 10 years? So the first time I applied for a Russian visa, I thought, this is impossible. And then my friend said, you have a new passport now. Just put down what is in that passport. So that's what I did. But now I'm keeping track. I'm, I'm keeping a record. So whenever I apply for a Russian visa, I can put down all the information. Because if I don't write it down, I cannot remember what country was I in, this place, that place. Right? And I certainly cannot remember all of my past lives. It says in the Bhagavatam, when we are in our mother's womb, we can remember 100 lifetimes. But generally we are not. But Krishna remembers. He remembers all your thousand lifetimes and your thousand and your thousand. Everybody's. He is remembering everything. Everything we have ever done, we have ever said, we have ever thought in so many lifetimes and everything that he has done. So anytime I remember anything, I can think about how Krishna's memory is there. Right? Even in this world, we do something together, our memories are different, yeah? I will say, we did that. No, no, we did not do that. We did this. Isn't it? And other statement in the Bhagavatam is in Krishna's intelligence is Brahma, the demigods, and the saints. So they are living within Krishna's intelligence. Uh, that is because they are the uh, they manifest Krishna's intelligence in the world. Brahma and the demigods and the saintly persons they act in the world as if they are the intelligence of God. So I can remember that whenever I act like that. Whenever I can understand, oh, now I am acting as Krishna's instrument. And we have that experience also, isn't it? We'll talk to somebody and we just know I am Krishna's instrument. So, uh, again, this is how many years ago? Like 40, 40 years ago. It was a long time ago. So I was distributing books at the airport in Chicago. I was going every day and selling Prabhupada's books to the passengers. But uh, we went out to do Harinam Sankirtan. 
and after Harinam Sankirtan, one of the devotees said, who wants to go to the airport and sell books? And nobody wanted to go because it was a Saturday night, and the airport, there were not so many passengers on a Saturday night. We never went there on a Saturday night. So nobody wanted to go. But I said, I'll go. So just he and I went, we took a bus, and on the bus, he was bragging to me. You know what bragging is? He was saying, I sell so many books, and I'm so good at it. And I was listening and thinking, oh, I don't sell so many books. But I didn't want to say anything. I started feeling a little competitive. And I was thinking, I want to sell more books than him when we go. So we got off the bus at the airport. And again, there's like nobody there, very empty. So we each had our Bhagavad Gita, his Krishna book. And there were so few people that only every 15 minutes would somebody come that I could ask. But I was just like, Krishna, I want to sell more books than this devotee. Krishna, I want to sell more books than this devotee. So every person that I stopped took like five, six books. But what was really interesting is when I would meet the people, just what to say just came by itself. It was like I was listening to myself talk. I, I didn't know what I was going to say or even what I was saying. I was just observing. And somehow, the, exactly the right words came and everybody gave a big donation and took a big stack of books. And so I sold more books than that devotee. But I really felt like Krishna was my intelligence, you understand? So we all have some experience like that, isn't it? We're doing something and Krishna just gives the intelligence. We don't even know how we're doing it, what we're doing, anything. We're just like, wow. Wow. So then we can remember anytime Krishna uses us like that, when we are functioning as his intelligence, we can remember that Brahma and the demigods and the saintly persons, they are almost always functioning like this, as the intelligence of the Lord. Now it is also stated in the Bhagavatam that Manu, the father of mankind, represents the Lord's intelligence. So in a similar way, we as the human beings on this planet, we are supposed to be acting as the intelligence of the Lord. That is our job. We are not doing it very nicely. We are not taking very good care of this planet. But that is our job. This planet actually is the wife of the Lord, it's Bumidevi. And we are supposed to be respecting the planet and caring for the planet as if we were manifestations of the Lord's intelligence. Okay, I'm thinking that some pastimes related to intelligence. You think of some pastimes, some of the lila as related to the Lord's intelligence. Oh, come on, I want you to know. Oh, that's making excuses. Let's think of some some pastime that especially highlights the Lord. Yes, of course you are right. But try to think something especially. When I one time when Arpuni actually having a desire to having a wish to form, and then he got a uh, Oh, I don't know that story. Sounds like an interesting story, but I don't know the story. Tell me. The Bhagavad Gita is a manifestation of a scientific 
Bhagavad Gita, okay? Speaking the Bhagavad Gita. That's a Leela also. Actually, when I first read the Bhagavad Gita, I thought only God could have spoken this book. The amount of intelligence required to speak the Bhagavad Gita could not be done by any human being. Can you think of some pastimes where Krishna manifested how intelligent he is? Oh, that's very nice. I mean, it's interesting that Srila Prabhupada's guru told him to preach in English to English speaking people. And so Srila Prabhupada was thinking, all right, I want to plan for this. Right now I'm newly married, I have a young child. Uh, but I will save money, I will make a very successful business, I will save a lot of money, and then I can do big YouTube. So he did that. And just, just when he was ready, when he was ready to retire and start preaching full-time, he had been doing some preaching, but when he was starting full-time, business failed. And he lost all of his money. He became penniless. And he said he was thinking, Krishna must be angry with me. I must have made some mistake. And then he remembered there's this verse in the Bhagavatam that if I love someone, sometimes I take away everything. And then he thought, Krishna wants me to start this movement in a different way. Because if Prabhupada had started the movement with a lot of money and a lot of famous people, then people would have seen it as a material accomplishment. Well, people would, would just, they wouldn't take it so seriously. But because he started the movement with literally no money, he had a, a trunk of books printed in India. Now you can get wonderful printing in India, but back in the 60s, the printing in India was not world standard. The paper was low quality. The, the lines were not straight. If you see the book, some lines this way, that way. And Prabhupada didn't have an editor or a proofreader. And so much of the English, the spelling was not right, the grammar was not right. They're very hard to understand sometimes, those original books. Uh, yes, exactly. And then the, he did Prabhupada liked beautiful artwork, but there was no artwork in those books. The outside cover was very crude. It wasn't very sophisticated art. Yeah, so that was all he had with his books and one pair of cartels. Only that. And Prabhupada spoke in a very heavy accent. It took me one week to understand Prabhupada. You know, very, very heavy. He was speaking, and he was in America, speaking old British English. You know, he had learned that British English 50, 60 years before. Old British English with a very heavy Indian accent. And he was using a lot of Sanskrit words. Nobody knew these words. And then he's referring to people who is Arjuna, who is... We didn't know who are these people. Yes, well that is a miracle and that showed Krishna's intelligence. So it showed Krishna's intelligence that everybody seeing Prabhupada's accomplishment would understand this must be spiritual books. Because there was no material books. Yes, I mean there's one story told by Professor Thomas Hopkins. So Professor Hopkins was had studied Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's movement. He had written his PhD thesis on the Bhagavatam. And he said when he wrote his PhD thesis on the Bhagavatam, there was only one English translation available of the Bhagavatam, 
and only one physical copy in the whole United States. Only one copy. So he saw an article in the newspaper, one of his students brought him, about Prabhupada in New York. And so this professor, he was in Pennsylvania, so he went to the, his authority, he got some uh, money to travel to New York, probably just like by bus, and he went to the first temple. So there are some devotees selling Prabhupada's Bhagavatams. So he asked this devotee, what are these books? And the devotee said, I don't know, I think it's the Bhagavad Gita. <laughs> it wasn't the Bhagavad Gita, it was the Bhagavatam. So he's looking at that and he's thinking, there's only one copy of the Bhagavatam in the United States, one translation. So how is there another Bhagavatam? He's looking at it and he's saying, this is the Bhagavatam. And then he says, who translated this? And the devotee said, oh, our Swamiji. He said, oh, where is your Swamiji from? Oh, he is from India. So then Professor Hopkins says, what part of India? And the uh, young man, he said, oh, India has parts? <laughs> so he didn't know anything. So Professor Hopkins, I heard this story directly from Professor Hopkins. So he was saying that he was thinking, maybe I should ask this young man, does this have anything to do with Chaitanya? But he thought if I ask him, he will not know. So he didn't ask him. And he was so confused. How is it that this young man knows nothing and still he is here with Tilak and Doti and, and he knows nothing. So he couldn't understand it. And then later he met Srila Prabhupada and then immediately he understood that simply by Prabhupada's influence people were taken. But this shows Krishna's intelligence. That Krishna knew that if Prabhupada started this way, everybody would understand it was a miracle. And if Prabhupada started with millions of dollars and some big sponsor, and people would say, oh, it's just material. So thank you for that. Some other example of Krishna's lila of intelligence. It's interesting that Shrimadhana has the life history of Jenny In the beginning, yes. After you say this, this person was looking for something about Yes, exactly. Okay, what about Agasura? Didn't that require intelligence? So Krishna's friends and cows were inside the body of Agasura. So Krishna wants to kill Agasura. But if he kills Agasura, then everybody inside will die. And if he saves his friends, how is he going to kill Agasura? So that required intelligence. He, he himself went into Agasura's body and he expanded himself and that way there was a big hole, right? And Agasura died and still the friends were saved. But that required some intelligence. Govardhan Pasta is very interesting because normally if there is a flood, we don't pick up a mountain. <laughs> it's not the general thing to do. Krishna's umbrella, yes. Normally we would walk up the mountain. We go to higher land. He also opened. But this very unusual solution. You know, it, we would not think of this kind of solution. So this is also very intelligent. No, those things people may believe. But that's another thing. No, but Prabhupada's real life story. That is that, okay. no much. 
that, and then we have no question to believe or not believe. Any other pastimes of Krishna that showed a lot of intelligence? In
Yes, you ever done this? So you want to give some instruction to your child, but you know the child will not want to hear. You know if you go to your child and say, do this, do this, the child will rebel. So child is in the room and you are talking to your wife or you're talking to your friend. And you're acting like you do not know. But actually you know. You have done this, I have done this. You want to talk to one person, you want to talk to one person you know they will not hear. Like Robert said, you instruct the daughter-in-law by instructing the daughter. Yes. So daughter-in-law is in the house, but you know if you instruct the daughter-in-law, maybe it's a little problem. But your daughter is there, so you say to your daughter, the daughter already knows because she grew up with you. So already she knows all this. So sometimes it's like that. Alright, let's go on. Last one we're going to look at is the false ego. So the false ego, it says in 2.135 that Lord Shiva is the Lord's false ego. So our false ego means I am the enjoyer. I am the doer, I am the enjoyer, I am perfect, I am powerful, I am happy. There has never been anybody as perfect and powerful and happy as me. But that is actually true about Krishna. So when our false ego is going, I am wonderful, I am perfect, I did everything. We can remember this is actually true about Krishna. For Krishna is the truth. He can say that. Anytime our false ego bewilders us, we think, but this is all true about Krishna. He is the smartest, he is the most beautiful, he is the doer, he is everything. Another way we can remember is that Lord Shiva is also time. The glance of the Lord to wake up the material energy, this glance is Lord Shiva, which is time. Time is very important in the false ego, because in the spiritual world it's always the present. But in this world we have past, present and future. And past, present and future is necessary for this illusion that I am the doer. I work hard and I get some result. It gives us this illusion. So we can also remember whenever we are dealing with time, this is Krishna's trick to let me think that I am the doer. And actually Krishna in his own real ego, everything is manifest automatically and spontaneously at all times. We can also remember how Lord Shiva, although he is the in charge of the false ego, he is a devotee, Vaishnavaritasana. He is a great devotee. In fact, he appears in our Gaudiya line as Advaita Acharya. And Lord Shiva knows the real ego is to be Krishna's servant. So whenever our false ego is going, I am so important, I am the doer, I am the enjoyer, we can say the master of the false ego, Lord Shiva, he knows I am Krishna's servant. In that way we can change instead of, uh, you know, I mean mine, this is me, this is mine, I am Krishna's and Krishna is mine. So if you have any pastimes with the false ego, I was thinking of Pandraka. So Pandraka, he dressed himself up like Vishnu and he said, I am Vishnu. And Krishna simply finished him. Uh, he is also like a very good example of this false ego to the point that he actually believed that he was Vishnu. He even stuck on two artificial arms like some Bollywood low budget movie. 
some very low budget old, you know, the old, old, old movies. You've seen those, right? Where they just stick on these fake arms that kind of flop around and then they have this clown made out of aluminum foil, right? And they're shooting the arrows that look like cartoon arrows. Terrible. But anyway, so Mondraco looked like that. That was his big false ego. So we looked at mind, intelligence, and ego in relation to Krishna. I hope that this was helpful. So you had a question. Ego and false ego. Ah, the real ego is I am Krishna's servant. The false ego is I am Krishna's competitor. I am trying to be Krishna. A real ego, the false ego takes many forms. In each lifetime has different forms. Cannot be without ego. Well, you can. The ego can be sleeping. If you merge into the Brahmajyoti, ego is very quiet. It's not manifest. But like in this life, we have an ego. I am a man. I am a woman. I am Indian. I am Brazilian. I am. We have this ego, and this changes in our life too. I am a student. You know, I'm a husband. I am a grandfather. So, but this is all changing, one life to the next, one life to the next. One life we are a dog, one life we are a man, one life we are a woman, one life we are a dead Ego is not the practical uh, purpose of doing. Ego is our sense of identity. Sense of identity. I am. But it is being, uh, I mean, spoken so badly that ego is because it's not too much of ego. Yeah, but that, because... I mean, giving the negative connotation... Well, because generally materialistic ego is negative. So materialistic identity, therefore we usually say false ego instead of just ego. But when we say ego, it's just like if you say, is this a quality chair? It means high quality. Every chair has some quality. It's just a quality chair. What does that mean? Literally, it doesn't mean anything. But when you say it's a quality chair, you mean high quality. So usually if we say, oh, you're very egotistical, we mean you're full of this false ego. But that's a very good point, because spiritual there's also ego. I am Krishna, I am Krishna, and Krishna is mine. I belong to Krishna, Krishna belongs to me. And we have some very specific real ego. Maybe we are Krishna's pet cow, or we are a peacock. I am eternal servant to Krishna. But they'll be in a very specific mood. Just like you are thinking I'm an Indian man, and you are thinking I'm an Indian man. But it's specific. You have a specific name, you have different families, you have different work. So just I am a servant of Krishna, but there's also very specific. One person is bringing the water, one person is waving the chamber, one person is taking different things. Everyone has their own. When I'm understanding Krishna, it is ego, and when... When the I is connected with, related with Krishna, it becomes the real ego. Well, when I'm related with Krishna as a servant. As a servant. As a servant, because if, if the I is related to Krishna as an enemy, that is also false ego. So when I'm related to Krishna in love and service, that is my real ego. You can think of it like... Well, if you have any relation with Krishna, you'll get blessed. But they were not advised to do like that. That's not advised. It's very dangerous because if you relate to Krishna as an enemy, you may get blessed, but you may not. 
It's it's very dangerous. No, no, it's actually it's actually very dangerous. Is there a choice? I have that doubt. Is there a choice for me to even that seems to be decided by him? No, no, your choice. So give you some freedom. How do you think there's no choice? Why do you think there's no choice? No, no, it, it's so clear to my mind, the entire cosmos is happening and as you uh, while I was saying that uh, the astrologically the planets everything has an influence on you. So there seems to be a supermassive plan that's happening. There's hardly anything for me to do. I mean, even a spec I'm not able to move. Where is it? There's no meeting of that there. I can go I can be think of him as an enemy. I can think of him as uh, my... No, no, if it was all predetermined, then all of the scriptures would be useless. So all the scriptures in the world, not only Vedas, even Bible, Quran, they're giving instructions, right? They're giving instructions about marriage, they're giving instructions about money, they're giving instructions about warfare, so many things. So why are they giving all this instruction? Because we have choice. So the future is constantly changing. Depending on how you choose, it's not like the future is all predetermined and we just are our little like robots. Future is constantly changing. And we do have choice. The astrologically, it's not exactly influencing us, it's simply an uh, indication. It's just like you look at your clock, it tells you what time it is. But it's not that the clock is making you do something. So the planets are telling you that you have this thing happening by your past karma and you have this opportunity and some things are absolutely set like even with the crime there are certain crimes where the judge has to give you a certain sentence there's no change this crime 15 years in jail that's it but most crimes it's not like that you do a crime you go to the judge and the judge can say well you can do some community service or you have five years, or you have ten years, and you can get parole. There's some change that the judge can do. And then when you are in the prison, if you are a model citizen, you can get out early. Or you can go to a different part of the prison. So if you are a model prisoner, then they can put you to a part where there's less restriction in the prison, and they will let you out early. So in the same way, we have certain karma that's just set. Finished. Nothing you can do. Some things. But that's not most things. Most things, how we behave now will change. But cert there's certain karma, but it's just, that's it. I mean, Krishna can change that. The demigods cannot change. Certain karma, the demigods cannot change. But that's very few things. Just like even in the uh, ordinary law, very, very few laws the judge cannot change. Otherwise, why is there a judge? What is the use of the judge if the laws are just set? Some things are set, but most things the judge can adjust. So most things that even the demigods can adjust. Krishna can adjust everything. But most things we can adjust in this life. Some freedom is given. Some freedom is there. Just like poverty, it comes from being miserly in past life. Wealth comes from charity. So this is again logical. If you have 10 children and you give a bag of sweets to one child and they keep all for themselves, next time you'll not give to that child. If you give that child a bag of sweets, they share with their brothers and sisters, then you will give them more. So if we use our wealth to help others, then we get more wealth. This is just logical. If I use my wealth selfishly, then I get less. 
So how rich, how poor we are in this life is directly related to our charity in the past life. But you can change that in this life also. It's not only past life. Yeah. I mean, I was I was just saw Jayaprakash Swami the other day, and I was telling him how when he came to New Zealand in 2007. So he was he said in the class that the temple did not pay for his airplane fare, and he was asking people to contribute. So at that time I had very very little money, but I was feeling some sympathy because I also travel. So I gave him fifty dollars for his plane fare. Next day, somebody gave me $500. And I could understand immediately, this was Krishna reciprocating. I gave some charity, immediately Krishna gave. But I didn't give for that purpose. That doesn't work. I wasn't calculated. I wasn't, no intention. No intention. I just gave from the heart. So even in this life, if Krishna sees you are using things properly, he may give more. He may, he may not, but he may. Or in this life, if you smoke, you will be sick. More sick than if you don't smoke. That is not karma. That is your doing now. If today for lunch I eat too much, today in the afternoon my stomach will hurt. That is not karma. My stomach will not be hurting in the afternoon because I punched somebody in the stomach 500 lifetimes ago. My stomach is hurting because I ate too much today. So there's some things are from other lifetimes. Some things are completely from other lifetimes and just finished. That's what's going to happen. Nothing you can do about it except your consciousness. Some things are partially from other lifetimes, partially from this lifetime, and you can change. Some things are completely this lifetime. As far as our relationship with Krishna, that is definitely free will. That has nothing to do with karma. Nothing. That is 100% our free will. But even materially, we have so much choice. Otherwise, why is there injunction in the scripture? The injunction of the scripture would make no sense at all. If I am being forced to steal because of my last karma, how can I be held responsible for that? And why is there a rule, do not steal? This would be, make no sense at all. So all the rules in the scriptures are referring to something I can do now by my free will. And that will not only change future life, it will many times change something right now. So many experiences that I do something now changes things now. We can plan for the next generation. Ah. Yeah. What happens? If this is what we keep planning to do. Punya, we do charity, and then next year we get a better. Thing. It's from that there should be it's some part where we can't. We put a full stop. There's no end to this power. There's no end to Punya. So therefore, we do bhakti. Bhakti ends both. Okay. When we invite people to the How will they know? That's easy way. Krishna is inviting everybody to come all the time. Open invitation. Doors open. Open invitation. And that's very funny because, because you are inviting the person and you are Krishna's devotee. Right? So I, if I am Krishna's servant and I am saying to you, please come to the temple, that is same as Krishna's. No, no, this thing is for me. They ask for some money, then they will give us something. That is also true. So regarding the ego, Krishna said, let go see your Yes. Nothing comes as ego. Yes, if you just if you're just acting as Yakuroshi, you are not you're acting on the platform of real ego. 
That's right. That's exactly right.